Yeah. Let's pray and then we'll look into the book of Job again. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. We're just grateful. Father, um, would you just speak to us right now as we get ready to look into your word? Would you just do what only you can do, Father, in our hearts, in our minds? And so uh, I pray that each and every person here is open to you and what you would say. Father, may we just focus our, our hearts on you. As we've sang those words, Would I just pray that that has pointed us toward you and that hearts are, are looking for what you would say this morning. And so, Father, thank you for each and every person here. Help me. May your Holy Spirit do what I can't do. I have nothing in and of myself. And it's just you, Father, so I need you. And I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for being here this morning. I, I pray you're thankful for the opportunity to be here today, too. Uh, our students have gone off to camp. They left this morning, and so that's why there's a few empty spots. Uh, uh, Travis and Carrie and all those folks. Uh, my wife went with them. My son's on his first youth trip, and so um, I expect some call at some point from Nikki, and what do I do? Um, so... Uh, we'll see how it goes, but thankful you're here. I'm thankful to our members this morning that, that make this place just authentic, relevant, warm place to be, um, just does ministry giving their best and, and just want to, they value relationships and growing together, so I'm just glad um, for our folks that, that, go, that just embrace those core values and live it out so well. Uh, so let's continue looking at the book of Job together this morning. We've been in a series uh, called Sideways, and we're going to continue looking at that. And it's just been this thing of, of looking through the book of Job because it's more than just uh, God uh, God, and Satan had this deal. Um, does, does Job really love God for just who he is, or is it because of the things he gives him? Job proves that he loves God. And so that's what we should be like in the end and move on. That's just a, the typical explanation of Job throughout. So we've been walking through it more closely because there's a lot more lessons in there than just that because we have seen, and we'll talk about more today, it wasn't just that Job was a sinless man. He was blameless and suffered for his faith. And so you go, well, here's a, this sinless guy that, that not not sinless per se in the sense of perfection, but he was a repentant man, blameless meaning uh, when, he, when he knew sin was in his life, he constantly repented of that sin, um, so he was right before God in that sense, but here's as the opening chapter says that Job was blameless, um, he didn't suffer because he had sinned, but he did sin in his suffering, and there's a lot, big part of that that's often left out of the, the story of Job that where we just go, oh, Job suffered, and he responded correctly. It was great. No, he, there's some things he got wrong in his suffering, and we've been looking at that. And so we've been looking at this to help us prepare for when life goes sideways on us, that we're prepared and and have a, a proper theology and look to, to just know what we should do. So this is part seven of the series in Job, but it'll make sense all on its own, but invite you to go back and listen online and, or through our app and the other parts in this series if it might help you. And there's all kinds of other content on there as well. But 
Job had suffered. He lost ten children all in one day. Uh, lost his possessions. Uh, lost his health the next day. And then his, his friends began to badger him in the midst of the suffering. They did great sitting silent with him and, and just uh, mourning with him over things for seven days. And then the, they, they began to speak and it didn't go so well as Job would look at him and say, what poor comforters are you? Uh, just, just you're not very good at this. And so then we looked at Elohi, or, uh, Elihu last week, and Elihu came into the picture and said some things to Job which were correct, even though he had his own issues being a young guy that he admittedly was uh, younger and had a little bit of uh, arrogance about him as well, but he properly corrected Job. And so we looked at that, and uh, so this is where we are today uh, in, in, in all this learning that Job did not sin to cause his suffering, but yet in his suffering he has sinned. His pride surfaced in the midst of all that suffering, uh, that his righteousness became a self-righteousness, and uh, he began to question God and call God into question. He began to say things to so if you read all that that Elihu talked about, he began to say things to God that were just critiquing him and, and actually thinking that God had proclaimed Job his enemy when he had not, and, and thinking God was arbitrary and random in the way he governed the universe and, and our lives. And so um, uh, Job got those things wrong. He basically had called into question the character of God and thought he had abandoned him. Um, but Job's wrong. And in Job's suffering, he begins to think he knows more than God does. Job calls into question God over his actions and putting him through this long suffering. So Elihu brings all this to Job's attention. And what's uh, and this is the part kind of that's been building to, you know, you if I had gone through this as slowly as, verse by verse and all that, you guys would have, would have been thinking this was an actual exercise in suffering. Um, but we've fast-forwarded through a lot, but if you read Elihu and all that in, in those chapters, um, you're, just, you're expecting God to speak at that point, but God speaks in His time. It's not that we can force His hand or we dictate to Him how things should be. But if finally today we get to some sort of resolve in that God does speak in chapter 38 is where we're going to start of Job. And when we read this, I, I just imagine times, I do for myself, and, they, and hopefully you see this as well and, and relate to this, but I just imagine the times that I or we have gone through far less suffering in our lives, and yet we have called God into question. I, I know I have done that at times. Even thought that I had better thoughts of how things should go for me in that suffering. You ever done that? You thought, man, why is God doing this? It would be better if he would, God, why don't you do this? And, and we start to try to dictate to God. The other things we could pray for, God, I'm asking you, God, I, I, my hope is this, but to say, God, you've got it wrong. You, you obviously don't understand. You're not getting it. What, why are you not seeing? Am I, I'm, you're treating me like I'm your enemy now. You're abandoning me. There's thoughts that we have that we know are contrary to Scripture, yet 
we'll have times where we actually prescribe that to God. Is it, am I alone in the room, or is there anybody else does that too? Anybody? Okay, where I just go, God, you know what? You just don't, you, you don't really seem to grasp what's going on, and it would be better if you would handle it this way. I mean, because when you read this, and we'll get to this at the end. I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to jump way ahead. Because we, we think in the book of Job, we, we read this and we go, hey, uh, God, if you would just explain what's going on to Job, this would all work out a whole lot better. It would be so much easier. I mean, it would be like half the chapters, right? And we'd all feel a lot better about it. But there's so much more that God's doing that we don't see, that Job doesn't see, that is so much better for Job even in the end than if he would just explain it to him. Because then it becomes this knowledge and seeing that comforts Job, not faith in God. It becomes sight, not faith. It becomes not having to trust God, but it becomes knowledge. It becomes in the knowing, not knowing God. And trusting Him, the one who does know. But that's our bent to try to be God and want to know everything he knows and be like him. So God says this to Job. We'll read some parts of this. I'm going to start in Job chapter 38. This is when God comes in and speaks to Job. And it says in verse 1, Then the Lord, and that's important, we'll come back to that, Okay, answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, I just love how it says there's this, he answers him out of a storm. That maybe sounds familiar. Okay? It's often how God speaks, and it's usually this still small voice in the storm, right? So we've got to be close to him, walking with him to hear it. And here he is. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, This is so, like, I, this scares me to death. I'm like, well, how many times God has said this to me, and I just didn't get it, but has addressed me the same way, but he says, Who is this that darkens counsel by the words without knowledge? I mean, a good old East Tennessee, Granger County talk, we'd look at somebody and go, Who do you think you are? Right? Like, what are you thinking? Okay? Do you not have a clue? Okay? It gets better. Right? Now gird up your loins like a man. Put your big boy britches on, right? And I will ask you, and you instruct me. I mean, could you imagine being addressed by God this way? But it's what's best for Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? You, this is so beautiful. Think about where he takes this, okay? Job's going, my life, my world, my suffering, me. And God goes, hey, wait a minute. Look at this. Back up a minute. This is all much bigger than you, right? He says, tell me if you have understanding. He says, hey, if you, if you get it all and you're so much smarter than I am, he says, tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Since you're smarter than me, since you're judging me, since you're calling me into account, then you must be greater than me, so tell me how, how all this worked. Or who stretched the line on it? On what, what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? 
I mean, he goes all the way. Look how far he goes out. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who enclosed the sea with doors, when bursting forth it went out from the womb, when I made a cloud its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and I placed it boundaries on it, and set a bolt and doors. This, this is the God who said, this is how far the ocean can go. No further. This is how much land there will be. Here, here's how much of this is going to be clouds. Here's how this is going to work and the atmosphere and the land and the, the stars, all the way out to the furthest star and how the rotations of the planets go and, and, and how stars are even made and formed. He says, I, I'm dictating how all this came to be. I made all this out of nothing. But you explain it to me. And I said, thus far you shall come, but no further. And here shall your proud waves stop. Y'all, y'all been, anybody been to the beach already this, this summer? A few of you? Yeah, a few of you. I don't have to ask y'all. Y'all go to work all the time, right? It, it, it's... Can you, can you imagine you're standing on the beach? If you ever stood on the beach and you try to go to war with the waves, right, and swim out there or even stand there and it knocks you down, it's, it's strong enough to Here's the God that says, this is how far they can go, all, all of them. And yet we, in our small little world, I can't even stop a, a cup full, Right? goes on explaining, and, he, and he, it's, you've got to read this, 38 through 40, of, of where he brings it down from way out here to these, from these stars all the way down to the, just these weird creatures that he's made. We'll talk about in a minute. It's just amazing. He says, have you ever in your life commanded the morning? Let's, let's start bringing it down just to earth. You, it, hey, hey, Job, time out for a second. It's night time right now. Just call the sun up. Make the sunrise right now if, you, if you're so smart, right? Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? That it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal and they stand forth like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and the uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? We've gone all the way from the stars, him walking down into the morning, the sun, the day, the earth. He comes down, now we're going to go to the sea. Have, have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light. And darkness, where is its place? That you may take it to its territory and you may discern the paths to its home. Like at some point, I'm like shrinking and going, okay, God, that's enough. I get it. This is, he's going to get 38 through 40. He's going to get two chapters full. Who knows if we even get the full gist of what all happened, but we get what we're supposed to have. There's a commentary by Christopher Ash, and he says this. It says, the temptation of Job, it is a temptation that I am familiar with, 
even though I have never suffered as severely as Job. But one does not have to suffer as severely as Job to be tempted like Job to arrogantly provide God with useful hints for better governing our lives. So perhaps you are familiar with this temptation as well. It is a common temptation, particularly when we suffer. What begins as a genuine lament before God in prayer gradually becomes a sinful complaint, a charge against God, eventually even accusing God of mistreating us. You see how slowly that just shifts, happens to us? Because we handle short periods of suffering well, right? But in those long periods of suffering, that shift can happen to us so easily. This is Job in, in chapter 30, verses uh, 19-21. If you go back, um, this is what Job says in his one of his places where, where, you know, we didn't read all that, but where he charges God, accuses God. Listen to what he's, this is the kind of stuff he says. Hopefully you read that as we've gone through this, but in chapter 30, verse 19 through 21, it says, he, talking about God, God has cast me into the mire. In other words, he's a bad guy, right? And I have become like dust and ashes. I cry out to you for help, but you don't answer me. Because you should, right? I mean, you hear the tone of, of Job in this? I, I stand up. And you turn your attention against me. You just ignore me. As though to say, how dare you, God, ignore me, right? You should not ignore me. You have become cruel to me. You see him casting judgment on God? He's, he's attacking the character of God. His pride has welled up and, and he thinks he knows better. He doesn't understand what's going on and the, the, the charge of Satan is saying, to God, Job doesn't love you. He just loves you for what you give him. He doesn't really love you for you. And here we are, Job not understanding that, misjudges God because God has bragged on Job. God has said how great Job is. And he, he loves me for me. And you're wrong, Satan, which is true, as we see in the end. He does love God for God, but, but he sins in the midst of this. But as that blameless man is as his character holds as well, and we see Job will repent. He says, You have become cruel to me. With the might of your hand, you persecute me. But we know from reading this that that's not what God is doing. Job doesn't know that. But God is not persecuting Job. He's actually proving Job to be authentic in his faith. Job thinks God doesn't care and is indifferent to his situation, but that's not true when God addresses it. Because we know that the antidote to things is usually the, the opposite. Like if we're prideful, to be humiliated is usually the antidote to that pride, right? If we're greedy, you know, then poverty becomes an antidote to that. There's, a, there's these things, lessons we get taught. You know, you pray for patience and what's going to happen, Right? The way to fix that, if you're an impatient person, is to sit you somewhere and make you wait, right? But it's a dose of what God gives Job. It's is what we often get 
when we get to that point where we think we know better than God, because we, we often do that, even though we don't acknowledge that or even think that in our mind, but we're not going, hey, I know better than God, it should be this way. But we start to have thoughts of, you know, if God would just do this, he, evidently God doesn't care. We think we know better than God. We think we know how to better govern our lives than God does. We're like, God, if you would just do these things, then I would be this kind of person. God, if you would just give me all this money, then I would serve you more. God, if you just give me all this time, then I would serve you more. God, if you would just do all these things for me and set me up in this perfect little bubble with everything perfect, then I would perfectly serve you. But we know that... How often do you see that? It doesn't, it doesn't work, does it? God has given us lots of blessings. How, how much is enough? How much do we want? We'll just get more stuff and more, and it'll become more perfect for us and it'll start to become more about us. And we'll fill our lives with more of us and more of what we want to do. If we can't handle a little, we surely can't handle a lot. That's a biblical principle, by the way. What is beautiful about this, though, is that in this humbling experience for Job, it's the same for us. In this and what he addresses with, with Job, he addresses and gives mercy, love, and grace to Job. That's what he gives us, even in the chastisement, even in the correction of Job. For God to actually correct Job is for God to be loving Job and helping Job, right? He could just step on him, crush him, right? He could just say, hey, you want to accuse me? You want to judge me? And just cast him away. You know, in God's grace and mercy, he's like, no, Job, Job really does love me. He's just got this issue that I need to work out of him. So in my patience, in my love, and my care for him, I know the best thing for him is for me to just look at him and go, hey, Job, you think you're so smart? Instruct me. Tell me what you think I should do. How do you think things should be? And there is there was mercy and grace for Job there is for us. C.J. Mahaney uh, said, A pastor prepares a sermon from this passage with tears in his eyes. Because your pastors know you. We know you. We know, we know the ways you have suffered. We know the ways you are presently suffering. I have to keep my eyes down and start looking at some of you, and that's the way it goes. So I know the things you go through. And we bear this burden of suffering with you. It's part of what we get called to. We share those things with us, with pastors. We pray for you. We try to walk with you. He goes on to say, and we bear this burden of suffering with you, and it is our privilege to do so. But a pastor, this is the, the change, the mercy, the grace, the hope. But a pastor also prepares a sermon from this passage with hope in his heart. He said, I hope this encourages you and strengthens you just as it did Job. And that's the end result and where you're trying to get to. See, Job has wanted so badly in the midst of this ordeal just to hear from God. He just feels like God has abandoned him. He wants so badly to know, I'm not God's enemy. 
like I think I am, that he has not left me and abandoned me like I think he has. He, he says at one point, uh, Job says back in, in one of the previous chapters, he says, my greatest fear has happened. God has gone silent on me and he has abandoned me. It, it, what hurt Job more than losing his kids, more than losing his possessions, more than losing his health, was losing God. But to, just to know that God is still there and with him would make all the difference. The worst thing about Job's suffering for Job was that God had left him, turned away from him, and now you get to chapter 38 and God finally speaks. She can imagine Job's like, well, I wish... Maybe it wasn't this way. He's he's just happy God's talking to him, I'm sure, even though God's giving him what he's giving him. But just as God was not obligated to answer Job, but does so out of mercy, we too have to remember that God's not obligated to us in any way. So he does it in his time, not on our schedule or because we demand it. Some of you are going through some things, and you're looking at God going, God, could you please just... Give me an answer. Would you please just fix this? Would you change this? Would you change my circumstances? Would you do something with this? And you feel like God has abandoned you, but he has not. We can't force God's hand. And there's something he's doing in us. That's what we talked about last week. There's something he's still doing in us that will be greater for us in the end than if he changed our circumstances now. And it's his love and his grace and his mercy that he does so. He does so when he sees the perfect time. This is this God speaking to Job right now here in chapter thirty eight is not God bending to Job, obviously, in the way he's responding to him. This is fully God's mercy and grace at, at work right here. And we we talked last week how Time and suffering has a way of showing us what's deep in us. Even talked about a little bit about how, you know, when life shakes us, what's in us comes out. You know, like to, to shake a glass of water or this bottle, if I shook it real hard, the water would come out. And the question becomes, why'd the water come out? Because I shook it? No, because water was in it. What's in you when the world shakes you, when suffering hits you, when, when when the spouse says that certain thing that shakes you, that makes you aggravated, when the kids do those things, when the boss says those things, when he doesn't give you the overtime, when he makes you work the overtime, when uh, you don't get the raise, when you don't get the raise you thought you should get, all those things, when all those things happen in the world, the tire goes flat, the car breaks, dryer breaks, goes goes out, you know, and you have to transport your clothes back and forth to your mother's place. When those things happen, the world shakes you. Just speaking from experience in my last week, okay? When those things happen, okay? Which, by the way, if you take them to your brother's house, they don't they don't get folded and put back in the bag for you to pick up. <laughs> but if you take them to your mother's, they get folded and put in the bag. And it's wonderful. So... So, so all mine are now, it's taking a little longer, but they all go to my mom's now. Um, so, anyway, but when the world shakes you, right, it, it, what's in you is going to come out. 
So we need God to put fix and put good stuff in here. We need to be open to Him, let Him fill us with His Spirit so that the right stuff comes out of us rather than going off the end and sinning in our suffering, sinning in those moments and the and bad stuff coming out. It's not that situation or that. It's not, you know, your clothes not getting folded that is the catalyst. The catalyst is you know, the, the thing that the cause is what's in us. Because you're going to get shaken. I mean, it's just going to happen. So God has to refill us with the right stuff so that the right stuff comes out. We usually, like I said, handle short times of suffering pretty well. We, we even handle great suffering in other people's lives really well, don't we? We get really spiritual at those times, right? We're, we're good at that, right? We're, I mean, it's just, it's just if, if Jonathan was going through something, it's just great suffering, man. He's just going through a hard time. It's easy for me to look at Jonathan and go, man, you just got to focus on Jesus. But I'll be praying for you, right? We get real spiritual when other people are suffering, right? That, that's that's super easy. Man, why are you so down? Don't you know God is good still, right? We can say all those things. We can encourage people like crazy. Because it's not us, right? This makes it easy. But when it's us, it just doesn't seem enough for somebody to look at us and go, I'll be praying for you. God is still good. Remember, Jesus died for you, man. you got a lot to look forward to, right? Whatever everybody says, right? Long times of suffering will show your true colors. It'll show what you're made of. It does one of two things. It refills us. We look to God and He refills us and makes us better. Or it drains us and fills us with the wrong stuff and makes us bitter. Now notice something here about the mercy of God. There's a, there's, a, there's a unique detail. Remember I said, notice that it says at the beginning of chapter 38, the Lord, it's capital letters, should be in your, in your Bible. Okay? I use NASB as the version I use, but whatever version you use, it should say the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And that's important, that address of that word right there. That, that Lord is Yahweh. Okay? The personal God, the covenant-making God with Abraham. It's, it's, it's the Lord. It's, it's the personal God who cares, the provider. It's, it's Jehovah Jireh. It's, it's Yahweh the Lord. Okay? And, and what's interesting is, is it's, it's this providing, walking with us God, and it's the, it's the same God name for God mentioned back in chapters 1 and 2 when it's Satan and God speaking and then it's it's who God is in, in all of the midst of all that but it's interesting you get to chapter 3 and that changes and all of a sudden all these answers about God and all these friends come along talking about God and all Job talking about God it becomes Elohim big far away God right not that he is but that name for God, not the Lord. And you see this, if you don't see Yahweh from the end of chapter 2, from 3 through to 37, 
Yahweh's not there anymore. And that's what Job is missing. He's thinking Yahweh is gone, but he's not. They even refer to it that way, Elohim and some Yahweh, because they think he's distant. We've not heard the name Yahweh since the first two chapters, and now God speaks. And so it's a clear message to say, now Job, this is the personal covenant-making God who walks with us. You're being addressed by a personal God who cares about you personally, revealing his personal relationship and love for you, Job. Showing Job he does care. Yahweh reveals himself here to Job as God reveals himself as Yahweh. That's, that's a prayer I have for one of my friends as I got to hang out and have a conversation with him because that, that was the end of the conversation is I believe there is a God. I just don't know if he's a personal God like you say he is. I'm hoping one day he knows Yahweh. That God would just reveal. I can't do that for him. You know, we get in those discussions and arguments with people of apologetics and this person may not believe and we so think we've got the words that can make them believe and we can't. We, we may be the deliverer of the message, but God's got to do the changing part. The Holy Spirit has to do that awakening part. I just do what I'm supposed to do, but God has to really open his mind and his heart to that. And so my prayer is God does whatever he has to do from here on out. It's not dependent on me. Thank goodness. God's smart enough not to put it dependent on me. And that's the thing. We cannot even know God without him revealing himself to us. Okay, this is no building a tower to heaven and we're going to reach God and we're going to discover God. That we're going to find God. If I just, you know, I went through this thing in college of just trying to search out and what's true and as though I were looking for God. But what it was is God was drawing me to himself. It was, it was God eventually revealing himself to me and saying, hey, this is who I really am. For God to reveal himself to us, like he does Job here, especially as Yahweh, is a merciful, grace-filled God that is being so good to us. Do not take it for granted to be able to have the Bible, to be able to know Jesus personally, to, to, to be able to have the Holy Spirit indwell in you. When you feel God has abandoned you, his, his, he's present through His Word. Like it, you have a Bible, right? God hasn't left you. He can speak to you through His Word, through the Scriptures. Jesus is available to you. He's a personal God who wants to speak to you through His Word, through prayer, by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes He'll even speak through others. Okay? But the Lord speaks to Job out of a storm. God is, it just shows how awesome he is in the ways that he can work. He speaks to Job out of a storm to humble Job. And this is good for Job. For Job's good. When God puts us through suffering on the other end, if we keep our eyes on him, 
it's for our good. What, what would you do, really, if God spoke to you like this? If he said to you, hey, hey, who do you think you are? Like, like just put it in our terms, right? Who do you think you are? Talking trash like an idiot? I mean, put your big boy britches on and answer me a few questions. i got some things to ask you. And get ready for what I'm going to tell you afterwards. I mean, I know I've needed that and got that at times. But what do you, how would you, what would you do? Job had questioned God and who he said he was. And now Job is the one on trial being questioned about who he is. This is important, okay? This is a big part of what's going on here. We, we have to always keep in mind, this is, this is a, a pivot point for you and your suffering, important places you may be with God. We have to always keep in mind our relationship with God, who we are and who he is. When we lose sight of who he is and our position of who we are in humanity, that's when we start getting really messed up, Okay? Because as Rick Warren said in the opening line of the Purpose Driven Life, that somehow rock the world, right, the Christian church world, but it's so true just to think it's not about you. Like, it's it's just not about me, okay? And i got to get over myself sometimes, right? It's, it's not about us. There's a bigger picture going on than our lives, and that's where Job had gotten to, right? It's where we get to sometimes. It's... There's a bigger picture going on. And I love how God does this with Job. God makes it clear that, that we don't even understand creation. Like, we, we can't explain creation. How are we going to explain our lives and our circumstances and, and who we are and how God should govern the world when we can't figure out our lives, much less creation? That's, that's why... God took him to such a big place. He said, you've lost your position of who I am and who you are. You've lost sight of that. So let me remind you. Hey, would you just just get your eyes off yourself and look at the universe for a minute? Can you explain all that? You're, you're wanting to tell me how to run your life. Can you? I'm running all this. You think I don't know what I'm doing? God looks at Job as he often does at us and says, let's look at creation. Let's just stop for a minute. I know you're wanting to talk about your situation and, you know, need to get a dryer and, and you want to talk about, you know, you don't know how to dress a five-year-old girl and so you're stressed about it. She's just going to have to wear camo, maybe in some of her brother's clothes till Thursday. Okay? I know you've got things going on in your life and you're worried about it. But could you stop for a minute and, and just look up at the bigger picture of what's going on. Let's take a look at creation, at the universe that I made, and I want you to see my greatness, and in seeing my greatness, then you can understand my mercy and grace. And he takes Job from the farthest stars to the unexplainable creatures on this planet. It's why it's good for us to read this. You should read chapters 38 through 40 just to get a grasp yourself on who he is and who we are, right? See if you can answer any of those questions. See if you can explain any of that stuff in there, right? We already read the furthest parts of the universe down to day and night, we, but we can't even, even explain some of the creatures on this planet. I mean, I love where he takes this. If you go 
into even the wild ox, and he talks about all the, the uh, horses, donkeys. Hey, have you considered to think about this? He says, can you even figure all this out? The hawk, right? He gets all these things. Check this out. God looks at Job and even says, have you checked out the ostrich? Like if you're sitting there in your problems one day and God comes along and goes, hey, hey, Jonathan, have you ever thought about the ostrich? Be like, what? What does that have to do with anything, right? Have you considered my wonderful work in the ostrich? And you look at the ostrich and go, I'm not sure what that's there for, right? I mean, look at Job 39, 13 through 17. It says, the ostrich's wings flap joyous, joyously. He can't fly. How does he flap joyously and not get anywhere, right? You run real fast. It makes no sense. It just makes no sense. With the pinion and plumage of love. For she abandons her eggs to the earth and warms them in the dust. And she forgets that a foot may crush them. Or that a wild beast may trample them. And I think he's sitting there going, you get how nature works, yet there's still ostriches, even though that other stuff can happen? Because I take care of all that. She treats her young cruelly, as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, she is unconcerned. Because God has made her forget wisdom. And has not given her a share of understanding. Remember we talked about understanding and wisdom. Comes through the Spirit. It's from God. They don't have that. Yet they still live. They still exist. They're still taken care of. Because God does it for them. I mean, it's, it's not a smart bird. It can't fly. A bird that can't fly but runs fast. What? Like, explain why it exists other than the pure humor of God. That's just all I can think. Okay? It's simply there. It's an, I'm, I'm being honest. I think the ostrich is there simply for God's entertainment and ours. I think that's why I made it. And God has a right to do that. He can do it if he wants to. He made it because he could. He's like, check this out. Look at that. Isn't that weird? Funny. I'll just keep it existing though. Right? I mean, it's just crazy. We can't, expl we can't explain the ostrich. So who are we going to be the, the ones to question God about our lives or tell Him how to better govern them? Right? We can't, we, we can't explain creation, so how do we question the Creator in the midst of our problems? I just want you to see that one of the best things you can do in your pain and in your suffering and in your problems is keep in mind the wisdom, the power, the might, the majesty, the greatness of God. Like that's the best thing you can do is just go, He is good, He is powerful, He is wonderful. I need to keep that in mind. Man, I get off track and I think God's not good. I think somehow He's turned evil when I'm the one that just doesn't get it. If we just keep in mind who He is, we can so much easily, so much easier, so much better. I don't know. Sorry, I'm stuck on my grammar. It's, we can 
get through it a lot better, okay? And, and so remember who he is and what he created and how he governs the world, and then remember who we are and our brokenness and how we're marred by sin and, and just pray to God in your suffering out of that. And that's the whole model of the Lord's prayers. Hallowed be thy name. Forgive me of my sin. Right? It's You're perfect and you're great and, I, and this is where I'm at. I need you. If we can't explain the universe, then how can we explain our lives to God and tell God how he should treat us? There's a bigger picture that God sees that we just don't. But God is patient with us like he is Job. Gradually convicting Job in his error, being patient with Job instead of squashing Job. And Job gets to that point, chapter 40, he gets there, but God is so patient with him. Job 40, verse 1 and 2, it says, Then the Lord said to Job, Will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. He's like calling you on the carpet. You think you're so good, then explain all that. He goes through all that. You'd have to reach out to 30, 39, all that. He asks him, explain all that. He's going, if you got it so good, if you understand it so well, Mr. Fault Finder with God, then explain it to me. And, and basically, C.J. Mahaney states this about the summary of this. He says that God says, in summary, I have made no mistake. I know exactly what I'm doing in your life and in every detail of the government of the world. My counsel is perfect. I have done nothing wrong. It's basically his summary to Job. And Job repents and responds in humility there in the next couple verses. And our, our problem, this is what I want us to come down to and, and take it to a close here with this, is just our problem is that we often interpret everything by our experience and our circumstances. We don't interpret everything by truth. We're such emotional people, creatures, we're... We have all that because God gave that to us and it can be a blessing and it's wonderful to experience things. But we often look through our experiences and interpret God instead of looking at truth to interpret our experiences. We get it backwards. You remember uh, in Matthew 8, Jesus, he's out on this boat and a bunch of guys are with him and they're going along, and all of a sudden this great storm comes up. Uh, I use this often in Honduras um, with the kids when they tell me real quick, hey, there's some kids over here, we want you to tell them a story. Okay, this is my go-to. Just get the kids over there and say, there's Jesus on this boat, great great storm comes up, they're out on the sea, and so I have them wave, I won't do it to you, have them rock back and forth like they're in a storm, okay, even though some of you may need that right now. And, and so... He's, here he is, they're in the storm, and it's so bad that these guys think they're going to die. Like, this storm is so bad, they're like, 
I've been in storms like this before. I've been out to sea. I've heard about storms like this. I've seen things happen where boats go down because of storms like this. So they go down to find Jesus. They're like, where's Jesus? We ain't him up here. Let's go down and find him. He's down in the bottom of the boat, asleep, right? Remember the story, Matthew chapter 8? He's asleep. But what do they go to him and say? They go, hey, Jesus, do you not care that we're going to die? You see what they did? They interpreted something about Jesus based on their circumstances that wasn't true. Right? Don't, don't we often do this? And it, it's what Job had done. Is, is, is all of a sudden they're looking through their circumstances and interpreting Jesus rather than you going through the Word, through Jesus, through truth, to interpret everything else that's going on. We, we flip it. Okay? If you don't start with God, you'll get it wrong. And you'll be discouraged. And you'll lose hope. We have to start by interpreting it through God's viewpoint. Because then Jesus does what? What does he say to him? Oh, you have little sight. Well, he didn't say that, does he? Oh, you that doesn't understand the information I've given you. No. You have little faith. Because we're not, we're not living by knowing everything that's going on. We're living by faith in God. She says, oh, you have little faith. Walks upstairs, gets to the boat, and just goes... I don't know if he actually did that. But he does something, and everything's the, the storm stops. I don't know. Isn't that the stuff? Like, I know this is funny, but isn't that the stuff you just want to go, did you show me the film? Like, I want to know what you did. Like, how did that play out? You know, stuff like, moments like that. Like, what did it really look like when you spit in the mud and put that on the guy's eyes? Like, do you really, like, what did it look like? Like, how did that, like you just want to see all that stuff. I'm like, oh, surely there's... He's got video, okay? Um, he's probably got a great library. Anyway, it, it just, I get so sidetracked. Sorry. But it's just, he tells the sea to be calm, and it is. Can you imagine how dumb they felt in that moment? They just kind of went, oh. He's the one that really wanted to come find you. I, I was kind of okay with him. Right? That's where it would probably go, right? I was good. I thought it was going to be okay. Peer pressure got me. Sorry, Jesus. Right? It's just so... But they interpreted Jesus by their circumstances. You, you with me? We do, don't we do that? Like whatever's going on in our lives, all of a sudden, that dictates who God is and how we feel about Him. That's why we got to stay in the Word and Scripture Stay connected to other believers, get in a small group, have people we can call, be encouraged, so they can, in that moment, it is helpful to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, would you just pray with me? You just, man, I just, this is what I'm thinking. And they can say, hey, no, you know, the Bible says this. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Okay? Because we would think the most logical way to help Job would be to answer Job's why question, right? I mean, to, to just give him all the information to his circumstance so that he can see the circumstance for what it is. The idea is for Job to have greater faith in God. But it would be logical to explain the challenge that Satan gave to God, even though God's the one that brought up Job and said, hey, 
Hey, Satan, send Job. And he's killing it. He's like, he's my man. He loves me. Have you seen Job? And Satan brings that charge to, to explain why this is happening. But no, God never gives that to Job. Even in God addressing Job right now, through the end of this story, God never one time explains it to Job. Doesn't explain a thing to Job. Doesn't owe Job an explanation. And it's actually best for Job in his life not to have the explanation. You're like, what? Because we think about it, would, would it not be the most comfort? We think this. Would it not be the most comforting thing to Job in his life for for God to just explain the reason for his suffering? We're like, that just fix everything, right? Wouldn't it be great for Job to know all the information? So the rest of even what would happen, Job? Job let me tell you, your story. We're going to put it in the Bible, and there's this preacher. And Rutledge is going to tell a bunch of folks all about it. And it's going to encourage them. And it's like for history, for age of all eternity, this story will exist and encourage people. And they'll go, wow, I'm better prepared for my suffering now. Wouldn't it be great if God would have just explained that to Job? Job, you're going to be a book in the Bible. And it's going to help people. Okay? We would all read it and be in awe of God. They're going to do that. That would be... that. That would be wonderful, right? Wouldn't that be the most helpful thing to Job? That's what we think. That's what we want when we're in that circumstance. God, would you just explain? Give me all the information that would comfort me, and then I'll follow you. That's sight. Okay? That's not faith. That's sight. But we think if I had all the information, I would just, I would, I would understand, I would know God's grace and mercy deeper. No, you won't. If you don't know and you just trust God and you see how it works out in the end and see the results, it's not in the knowing the reason why, remember we talked about all that, but in the results, then you know the grace and the mercy of God deeper. Job doesn't get any of that. The test only worked. You gotta get this. The test only worked for Job because Job didn't know. That's the test. Okay? And sometimes that's what it is for us. is to not know so that it grows our faith and we trust God all the more instead of we have the information and we trust in the information all the more. So we get to the next episode and go, God, just tell me right up front. Because it's in my knowledge and my understanding, lean not on your own understanding, because it becomes my understanding that I lean on, not God. You, you see that? Okay? It's the wrong filter to see it through. After the test is over, Job continues to love God for God and not the things that Job can see. To continue to walk by faith, not by sight. Job will not say in the end, now I know it all. It's, that's not the conclusion of the book. It's not for Job to go, now I know. Thanks, God. You're, that was really cool. Good trick, right? It's, it's not for him to know. It, it's, it's, it's not in his understanding to continue to walk by faith and not by sight. Job says in the end, I don't understand it more, but I know God more. 
have a deeper understanding of Him and that I can trust Him. And I can know that He is near even when I don't feel it. He has a deeper understanding of truth about who God is, not just His circumstances. And that's what is there for us, to know God more. To increase our faith in God, we trust ultimately in Jesus and His work in the cross and not our own understanding. So the question becomes, are you trusting that? Or are you just trusting in God's going to explain it to me sooner or later? Or I'm going to figure it out. One day we might see, but not today. See, today's faith, not sight. So is your faith in the right place becomes the question. You realize that that God has spoken to us today in a greater way than he spoke to Job back then? It's just, it's, when you understand it, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, the, the, for Job to hold to his faith in God, yet not in Hebrews it says in, in, in the past God has spoken through prophets and in various ways and so forth, but now for us he has spoken through Jesus. So we have Jesus in, in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Job didn't have that. Like, we have it even better now to live by faith than Job did. God has spoken to us through His Son, Jesus, as believers. Job didn't have that. You, you can have that if you don't have that. that. That's what will help you get through and hold on if you just hold on to that is that we know that Jesus died for us on the cross in our place for our sin, so that no matter what, in the end, we are with God, we have forgiveness, and it's all good. Job didn't have that to look back to, to look to it all. He, he knew that, you know, there's, there's a covenant, and one day it's, this is, it's, it's all this, but for us, we can know for sure God cares about our situation, loves us, is concerned, because we can look back and go, Jesus died for my sin. He died for me because God so loved me that he died. God so loved the world that he died. I mean, that, that, that should... That should give us hope to get through our circumstances. The greatest evidence of God's love, mercy, care, and grace for us, eternally given to us, is through His Son, Jesus. We have that. So I pray you have that this morning. So let's pray and just ask God to take this and do what only He can do with it. Father, I just right now I just ask if there's anyone in this place that does not have faith in you, that has never surrendered their life to you, that right now they would just begin that conversation with you. You are here, you're listening. And God, they just have to turn to you. Father, help them to see their life and where they are in relation to you. That they are in need of forgiveness of their sin. So may they turn from themselves and being Lord of their own lives. May they turn to, to Jesus, to Yahweh, to this personal God that you are. Would they just turn to you 
and you be Lord of their lives. You forgive them of their sin. And they just cry out to you this morning. If that's you, you can just you just start that conversation in prayer with them. Just, God, best I know how. I give myself to you. I'm turning from myself and my sin, and I'm turning to your son Jesus, and I'm placing my faith. My faith is not in things that I see. My faith is not in this world. My faith is not in my circumstances or knowing all the information. My faith is in the one who created all this. My faith is in Jesus who died for me. And I can know, God, that you are good no matter what because of Jesus. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've drifted. You've got frustration going on and you're suffering. You would say, I'm a believer, but you know what? I've begun to put God on trial. I've begun to accuse Him. I've begun to question His goodness and His care for me. Maybe you could right now just repent of that and just say, God, I'm sorry. I know you care about me. Your son Jesus proved that once and for all. And so, Father, would you help me? Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my faith. God, I don't feel like you're near, but I want to declare this morning that the truth says you are. That you hear me and that you care. That you are loving, you are merciful, you are good. And Father, I just, I just right now just declare you are over all things. You are the creator. I cannot govern the universe like you can. I am not God. It is not about me. Father, I need you. So every day, every moment, I just look up and say, God, I need you. And I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. Father, thank you that even in the Old Testament, in the book of Job, we can look in there and see your son Jesus and the the pictures of him to come and and how you work. And, And that it's about faith in you. Thank you, Father, that you can open our hearts and our minds. I just pray that you would help each and every person that's going through a difficult time this morning. Just cause them to lean into you a little more. For them to declare your greatness even in the midst of their circumstances. Father, thank you that you are always good. Father, just renew those who need that. Just uplift them. Father, may you push them back into your word more. Push them into this thing you're, you call the church that you're building, that Jesus says he's working on right now. Would you just push people into the family of God and to be closer to those who believe and to find that group that supports them, that loves them, that cares for them. May we embrace people. Thank you for our members and people here who so just take care of others, who so take their time that others may draw closer to you, Father. As we worship you in the next few moments, we just remember how good you are, how great you are. And may we just sing of that greatness. May we just sing about your son Jesus and what he did for us. May it just remind us that we can trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.